Hi, welcome back to Heaven Smells Like Books. Um, Happy New Year. I mean, you're probably going to listen to this in February because that's when I'm putting it out. But I'm currently recording recording in January, so it's like still a brand new year. So I hope you guys are having a lovely year so far, even though the world is still burning. And I hope you had a lovely Christmas break. Um, I know most people probably didn't get to have a normal Christmas, but I hope it was still good in some way, shape or form. Um, Yeah, so today I want to talk about Brit Bennett, The Vanishing Half. Okay, so The Vanishing Half. Um, Before I start, I just want to go through the usual. So I'll have links to where you can buy the book in the description box. I usually put in links for black-owned bookstores. I don't get anything from it. Like, I get no percentage if you use the link or not. I just think it's important to support black-owned businesses. Um, Yeah. Uh, and also don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. The podcast handle on Instagram is Heaven Smells Like Books, and my Twitter handle is still Samba. You know, I'll be in the description box. Okay, so the vanishing half. I'm pretty sure you've heard of this book already. Because I feel like everyone was talking about it last year. And honestly, fair enough. Um, it was the book that every bookstagrammer was telling you to read. And so obviously I had to read it. And it did not disappoint. It was a very well-written book. Um, it was very easy to read. I remember... So I read this book in July 2020. And I read it after a difficult book. Difficult, not in a sense that it was a bad book. But it was just one of those books that wasn't an easy read because of the writing. And so after I read that, I picked up The Vanishing Half. And I was also expecting it to be... To have, like, difficult writing. Because it was such a well-acclaimed book. And most of them are difficult to get through. Um... But no, it was so soothing to read, not because of the storyline, but because specifically of the writing, it was very easy to follow. Um, Yeah, it's written in third person, but it's written, so it's divided into sections, and each section focuses on a different main character. Uh, Yeah. Oh, there was one thing that kind of threw me off. It it wasn't confusing. It just kind of threw me off. So Brit did this thing where, okay, so for example, at the beginning of one section, let's say she started the section uh, in 1960. Um, and by the time she gets to the end of the section, it's 1975. You would expect that for the next section, she would carry on from 1975. At least that was what I expected. But sometimes she would go back to... Like 1970 or 1960, and that kind of just threw me off, but it was fine, it wasn't really a big deal. Uh, so the book is kind so it started in the 1940s and goes on to around the 1990s. 
um and it is about a set of twins stella and desiree and it basically follows their life from right before they ran away from home to when you know they're old and they have kids uh yeah so basically the thing at the center of the book is one of the twins stella deciding to spend the rest of her life as a white woman so basically they they're from this weird ass fucking town in america called mallard and the entire the the one thing the town is about is that everyone from the town is light-skinned like light-skinned 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 enough to pass as whites and I just found that so kind of odd and creepy because one, how incredibly racist and colorist, but then also the amount of work and dedication that went into curating such a town is just, I can't even, I can't comprehend it. It doesn't make sense. So a lot of things <laughs> happened in this book and I honestly cannot get through everything. So I'm going to talk about the things that really stood out to me and I think I I have to start with Stella deciding to pass as a white woman for the rest of her life um I I that was not what I was expecting from the book as you know I don't read blurbs before I start reading books so I went in thinking oh it's about twins um and just the fact that she was able to even start and carry on for the rest of her life like i think there is so many layers to that um first of all she ditched her twin you know they moved to a completely new city they were in dc which is a significantly larger place than their town that they grew up in and so like it wasn't like they were in a comfortable situation but she still just opted and left her twin with no notification nothing she basically just disappeared and i just i don't understand how you can do that to someone who is your sister like your twin sister and then also i just thought it was so amazing in a, a bad way but also kind of impressive but also in a bad way that she was able to just carry on doing that for the rest of her life like do you realize the amount of dedication that you need to do that and also the amount of fear that you would just be in like i was reading the book and i was anxious for her because i was like there's no way they like someone is going to find out and that is it she someone is going to find out and then her whole life would just be gone and where is she going to go back to is she just going to go back to the life that she literally ran away from and i just feel like she spent the rest of her life afraid of this massive secret getting out and it just seems like such a horrible way to live your life um and I think that it made her an incredibly racist person. She hated the idea of having non-white staff in her house, um, which, okay, 
feel like I should mention this. So when she decided to become a white woman, um, it was because she was dating this wealthy white man. Um, and so she went from being a mixed race woman who was poor to a white woman who was wealthy. So race and class change. Incredible scenes, I know. Um, but she said the idea of having non-white staff working in her house. Also, like, the, bear in mind that this was, like, in the 60s. Um, so, well, between 19... Yeah, around the 60s, I think. So, when it got to a point where um, a black family was supposed to move into the neighbourhood that she and her new white family were living and she was so vocal about how she absolutely disapproved of it and she did not want it to happen that even her white husband was shocked by how (laughs) how passionate she felt about it do you know how racist and problematic you have to be to shock a white man in your racism like and on one hand i didn't understand why she was doing those things i was like but babe you're also black i mean mixed race sure but like surely you understand the struggle but when you really think about it what was she going to do because i feel like black people are more likely to figure out that someone is passing as white so i feel like she was really really scared that if there's a black family in the neighborhood they'll find out that I'm not white and they're going to call me out on it and my entire life would just be gone. And it just feels like she was living in that fear the whole time and it's just so horrible. Um, and the way she treated um, the black family, she kind of became friends with the wife in the family. And I didn't understand why she would do that because you're putting yourself at risk um, the black woman never said anything to her, so we don't know if she knew that, you know, Stella was just passing as a white woman. Um, but it was really weird, but I also kind of get why she did that. I feel like because, you know, she didn't have any friends and then there's this black woman and I feel like she was just kind of amazed by how this dark-skinned black woman has this life that is almost the same as the one I had to give up my entire life and family for um yeah and on the issue of her being racist and problematic I feel like she was actively picking her whiteness and her class um over everything else and not really considering how it was negatively affecting the you know the black family or just you know the people around her um and on that level like I see why it's not so far-fetched because I think it's something that everyone has a tendency to do like I think unless you're consciously trying to avoid it it's very easy to pick your privilege whether that's class race gender sexuality whichever one it is it's very easy to pick it and turn a blind eye to how you picking your privilege is 
neg negatively impacting other lives. Um, I also think that she was able to, what seems like so easily, make the decision to be racist and to pass as white because of the unresolved trauma from witnessing her father get lynched by a bunch of white men. I cannot imagine the amount of mental and emotional damage that did to her. Um, but, you know, you see something like that happen and you have the opportunity to pick between the race that lynched your father and got away with it and the race that your father was. And it, it seems like such... The, I feel like what you would pick in an attempt to survive is, you know, the race that won't get you killed. Um, but it was still just so... <laughs> sad to watch her experience and it also made me angry to see how racist she was and how she yeah it it was like I kind of see how she got there but I wasn't any less disgusted by it if that makes any sense um and then so her twin sister um Desiree she was obviously left in DC and I genuinely do not understand how she was able to survive everything she went through. I cannot imagine what I would do if a sibling just decided to live a life without me, without telling me, like, just disappeared. <laughs> like, we just ran away from home and now you're leaving me? Um, yeah, but Desiree got left and then she got into an abusive relationship and that was also really difficult to read she was married to a black man um so like not someone from Mallard because obviously she left Mallard so like a black man not like a light-skinned or mixed-race man um and he was physically abusive uh, but she left but when she left she went back to Mallard which was such a problematic ass town um, but what was actually interesting about Desiree, I mean, more about her daughter or her marriage, was that so she had a child. A, child, a child's name was Jude, and Jude was obviously there to witness her father being abusive. And I guess I've always been aware that kids do see and notice these things. But I never really thought about the opinions that they would form on those things. Like, it never occurred to me that, you know, kids, like children, like small children would see their father hitting their mother and they would form opinions on it, you know. But Drew definitely did. And she, um, there's a page in the book where she lied to someone that Desiree wasn't her mother. um, And her hair, she was thinking about another woman in her head she was picturing kind of Stella um and thinking that you know Stella would not be like the type of woman my mother is she wouldn't you know move me from DC into this small town where everyone is so light-skinned and no one looks like me and Stella would not provoke my father enough to hit her and that was kind of heartbreaking for me to read um because you know Jude was just a child when it happened but it just I can't imagine my child having an opinion that um 
her father hitting me was my fault but I also see why Jude as a child sort of wanted to idolize her father and how you can easily be like oh but if you don't provoke him he won't hit you when really if you're with an an abusive person regardless of what you do they're going to hit you because you know it's their problem not really it's not about you they're just abusive um yeah but yeah Desiree had it tough but then when she moved back to Marlard oh another thing that I hated so while in the city Des before she ran away from her husband which again I'm so glad she did that because very often in books where someone is in an abusive marriage they often don't leave quickly or as quickly as you'd want them to but you know she ran away and before she ran away she had like a really I mean she had a good job and then when she moved back to because it was a city so I guess more progressive but then she moved back down south and you know back to Marlard and she couldn't get a good job like the person that interviewed her for the job literally was like he I think he laughed when she said that was what she was like the role she was applying for and it was a role she had experience in like she was over experienced as far as I'm concerned and she definitely could have done the job but just because she was mixed race they the white man thought she wasn't good enough for the job and that really that really fucking upsets me um but again wasn't particularly surprising um but you know I like that she eventually found love um when she moved back home with a man called early um because I just felt like she was so alone you know her sister left her her husband was abusive she had this little child and her mother wasn't the most progressive person um but you know she found early Eddie's the name of the man (laughs) um and oh another thing that surprised me about Desiree was that so when she was pregnant um and you know she was married to a black man when she had the child and I found out that the child was dark skinned as opposed to light skinned a part of me was like she's not going to like the child because the child is dark skinned because in my head like if you grew up in a town that was strictly mixed race and light skinned and they were consciously trying to make it light skinned I felt like she would also have that mentality low key you know like she wasn't outrightly like the other people in the town which is why they ran away but I feel like Loki there would still be that element but no like she genuinely loved her daughter and she actually wanted a dark-skinned child and that that was such a relief for me because I was like ah shit I don't like dark skin she's not going to like this girl she's going to put this girl through shit but that didn't happen um so like I said before her daughter's name was Jude and when Desiree decided that she had had enough of her useless ass husband she took Jude back to Marlard and they were living with Desiree's mother Jude's grandmother 
um obviously that wasn't an easy experience for Jude because one you know her life basically got uprooted and then she got moved from DC as in Washington DC to a small town in the south and everyone is incredibly light-skinned literally everyone Jude was the only dark-skinned person it was so rare to have a dark-skinned person that at school people would stare at her like they would ask her how come that is your mom um and she was literally the only one who was dark-skinned in that town growing up um and she obviously got bullied for it and i also think that because she had experienced um how abusive her father was i feel like that affected her idea of what romantic love should look like because she had this relationship when she was in high school with this light-skinned boy and she couldn't really picture um what i don't know if it was a relationship she had a crush on him and they kind of had a thing um but she couldn't really picture a scenario where he wasn't mean to her and that was again upsetting um because it's like it's true i don't have any other word for it it's heartbreaking for someone not to be able to picture love that is actually loving you know um but i'm also glad that she had early her mother's boyfriend he was dark-skinned um so i feel like he was able to help her a, a little bit with the weird relationship she was having with the boy um because early caught her with the boy once and i feel like if someone else had caught her one they would have probably been racist or colorist to her but you know early was i like the way he handled the situation and something else i really really loved about jude's part of the story was that so when i found out that she was dark-skinned in addition to being scared that her mother wouldn't love her because of that i also thought every part of her life is going to be difficult because that's just i think maybe because of the theme i had last year but it just felt like that was what was happening to all the black women in all the books that i was reading and so that's what i was also expecting for jude so i was so stressed and anxious about the whole time i was reading the book i was waiting for the other shoe to drop but although she did have a difficult time while she was in Mala, she was able to leave for college and she found something she was passionate about and that made me very happy happy and she also fell in love with this guy called reese and he he like genuinely loved her it, it was such a beautiful thing to read you know like i feel like it's not very often you read or even watch a dark-skinned black woman being loved in a romantic way the way she deserves and i feel like jude got that and i was just so incredible like i just loved the way that relationship was written so much it wasn't written like it was an easy relationship because no relationship romantic or platonic is easy and they didn't write it like that and i love that but it was it it felt very real you know it felt like it, it felt like they both really loved each other and they were both dedicated to each other and it was just so beautiful to read and i was really happy for her um also on her relationships she 
the man she was in a relationship with was a trans man and I also like the way Brit wrote that um because whenever you read a book where you know one of the characters it has a different or isn't um heterosexual or cisgendered there it feels like there always has to be a scene where you know the person has to educate the pet like the people that love them and I like that that wasn't a part of the book um I mean Jude still had to learn things but it wasn't like a case of Reese constantly having to educate her or this and that it that part of it felt it felt easy uh, but you could also tell that it was like a learning curve for both of them um and gosh honestly the love was so pure (laughs) it was just you need to honestly if you don't even want to read the whole book just read the parts about Jude and Reese such a beautiful love story like the dedication they had to each other (sighs) gosh but yeah um oh okay so let's talk about Stella again let's go back to Stella the woman who decided she wanted to be a white woman so she was obviously married to a white man and he was a very rich and successful white man um first of all the dynamic of that relationship was problematic because she met him at her first job when she and her sister ran away to DC. She was really, really young. He was older. Also, she was working for him. And I was like, I mean, I know this reads like she wants to be in a relationship with him, but also he's her boss. So like, if she says no to him, is he going to fire her? Like the power dynamics is weird, but anyway, um, and so later on in the book, Stella decided to go back to school, um, and Halsma was fine with it, but he was fine with it until he realized that, oh, something could actually come out of this. Like, once Stella started having, you know, really big dreams and goals, he started feeling threatened, and honestly, I rolled my eyes so hard because, one, how typical of men to feel threatened. Like, he was such a successful man. I did not understand why he was trying to hold this woman back. Because you're on your own so successful. So this is not going to take anything away from you. Like, why are men? Um, but yeah, another thing that was quite typical was this woman called Peggy who was a white feminist you know what I mean um she worked at the university that Stella went to um or that Stella was going to and so the the main thing at the beginning she seemed like a good woman but the only thing I can remember about her was that she was a white feminist because so she was um she was having this conversation with um, Stella once and it was revealed to us that she was um, involved in the fight for maternity rights for the women who worked at the university. 
she didn't have kids, you know, so I was like, oh, okay, like, she's fighting for this thing, and, you know, she doesn't even have kids, so she's like, she can't relate, but she's doing it anyway, but then she did not understand or see the need to include black women, because, you know, black women have different struggles, and let's not bring grace into it, and in my head, I was like, so you can help this group of women that you can't relate to, you know, because, you know, they have kids and you don't, the main thing you're fighting for for them is something that you cannot relate to, but on the other on the other hand, you can't help black women because their struggles are different. Like, it's just not adding up. Um, but I was also like, how typical, you know, I feel like every black woman who lives in a predominantly white country or community has met at least one white feminist who does things like this. Like, they make it seem like you have to separate your race from your gender and I personally find it very fucking infuriating because I cannot and a lot of the time when someone like a lot of the time I can't even tell if someone has been racist or sexist and sometimes they're being both so you can't ask me to separate those things you can't say don't bring race into it because this is a gender issue when the fact that I am black means that I am affected more by this thing that every woman is affected by. And then also, I also feel like on some level, black men also want you to leave your gender behind. Like, don't make it a gender thing. Just bring your race in here. And I can't separate these two things. Like, I don't wake up in the morning and think, oh, today every form of discrimination I'm going to encounter is going to be about my race. And then wake up the next day, like, today I want to focus on my gender. You know, when I wake up, I wake up a black woman. And the things that happen to me and the discrimination that I face, a lot of the times because I'm black and a woman, I can't separate those things. Like, one does not come before the other. And you're going to have to take both of them or none of it, which is why I feel very strongly that the only people who are truly for me are black women. Like, I'm not expecting white women or even black men to, to have any true purpose with my freedom any people I know for sure that I can depend on are black women. Black women who understand that I that my gender does not come before my race and my race doesn't come before my gender. Those two things come together. They're both just as important to me. Um, but yeah, I did not like Peggy because she was a white feminist. Um, and finally, I think I'm actually going to make it a 40-minute episode today. Ooh. Finally. Um, okay. I want to talk about Stella's daughter, Kennedy. Um, so obviously Kennedy was white. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess she was also kind of mixed race. But if your mother is so mixed race that she can't pass as white, I don't know if you can identify as mixed race. But Kennedy was very much, at least to me, a standard rich white girl. Um, I kind of got the vibe, I mean, it got confirmed, but I got the vibe that she was objectifying and over-sexualizing black men because she she dated this 
um French guy who was back and there were a few things she said to him um, that I was like hmm suspect um but she said this thing to so Kennedy and Jude they met at some point in the book I'm not gonna tell you how you have to read it to understand how and why um Jude again Desiree's daughter Desiree was the one who got left behind by Stella Kennedy is Stella's daughter she was white okay so Kennedy said something to Jude that just made me want to deck the fuck out of her so Kennedy um they were having a conversation Kennedy told Jude that Jude is lucky to have Reese in her life and Jude was like what do you mean? And Kennedy said, like, so casually, she was just like, well, you know, your men typically don't go for dark-skinned women. Like, usually they go for, you know, the light-skinned girls. And I was like, girl. Like, I was, I was like, what the hell? Like, why would you say this? Like, what are you trying to achieve? But also, on the other hand, I was like, I blame black men because I feel like the way the way black men are so unapologetically um disrespectful mean abusive towards black women is one of the reasons that women of other races feel like they can just talk to us anyhow like I was mad at Kennedy for even having the audacity to have such thoughts and then to say it's out loud but then I was also like you wouldn't have these opinions if black men acted right yeah but you know I feel like Jude handled it well and I I didn't like that Jude felt guilty for the way she handled it I don't spoil that part for you um but I was like girl don't feel bad she absolutely fucking deserved it um but Kennedy also just felt so aimless throughout the book. Um, it was kind of fine when she was younger because I feel like everyone has the right to be confused and aimless when they're trying when they're young and trying to figure things out. You know, figure out what you like, what you don't like, what you want to do, what type of career you want. I feel like it's okay. But then she, it felt like she wasn't able to find what she was looking for even when she was older and it was kind of sad to read um and I feel like her finding out that her mother was not entirely who she thought her mother was or just like her relationship with her mother in general probably played a big part in that like I feel like if she had wholly found herself um, before she started um, discovering who her mother really was, maybe she wouldn't have, maybe it wouldn't have been as bad. Um, but yeah, but again, like, her father was really rich. So at the end of the day, <laughs> Kennedy will be fine, you know? Like, she might not have a perfect life, but she'll be fine she'll have the necessities she'll be fine um but yeah um what else do I want to about this book I'm trying to okay no 
that's it. I'm not going to say anything else about it because I don't want to go past 40 minutes and I want you to read the book. But in summary, I think it's definitely a book worth reading. I think everyone should read this book. It's, I mean, why wouldn't you? It's such an easy read and the storyline is amazing. Um, I want to read Brit's other book, but I've kind of heard mixed reviews. So I don't know. I don't want to ruin Brit's Bennett for myself. Um, yeah. So if you do read the book, let me know your thoughts. You know, you can DM me on Twitter or Instagram or just tweet at me. But, you know, yeah. Uh, what am I currently reading? I am reading, gosh, just know this book, Normal People by Sally Rooney so I've seen the show I saw the show last year and that's kind of why I want to read it I want to see if the book is better than the show so it's kind of like a casual read for me so I don't know what happened and so far it's you know the writing is very easy I think it's a good book to help yourself get out of a reading rot if you're in one um because the writing is so incredibly simple (laughs) Um, oh, the first book I read this year was, oh gosh, it's uh, The Boy, The Mold, The Horse, and hold on, I'm just going to go through my phone to find it, because it, I mean, it's, it's not re- it's not officially a kid's book, um, but it kind of gives that vibe, like, it's, it, you know, it's not a serious book, you can literally read it to kids the boy the mole the fox and the horse by charlie maxi and i hope i'm pronouncing that right but yeah i wanted to start the year on a light note uh, i think my next review which will be in march be on <laughs> on we that are young i struggled to finish that book but it's such an amazing book but yeah I think that's what I'm going to review next or maybe I'll pick something else I don't know but I guess you'll find out so uh yeah I think that's it thank you for listening and I'll speak to you next time also less than 40 minutes (laughs) bye